For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to episode six of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerbison. Have an exciting episode today. I have a special guest on. We're going to be talking about the Tennessee versus Alabama game, uh, break down some of the O line performance we saw, also look into what we could fix or concentrate on during the bye week, and We go over the Butch Jones era a little bit and what goes all into coaching and recruiting. So let's start the show. All right, I welcome my guest on today. He is a West Virginia State alum. Uh, He has coaching stops at Central Michigan, Tulane, Cincinnati, Tennessee, Concord, and Eastern Carolina where he coached tight ends, offensive line, and even had a stint at offensive coordinator throughout those spots. Uh, He is my offensive line coach for three years at the University of Tennessee, Don the Don Mahoney. How are we doing, buddy? Well, I, you know, it was a great day today. Uh, You know, (laughs) just uh, watching a little NFL football. Our son won yesterday at Middle Tennessee. Uh, They won overtime against Rice, so that was a big win for them. They've had a struggle and a, a rough go at things but they found a way and got a win and they got a bye week to heal up and get ready for the stretch run so for those who don't know uh some of my fans uh possibly uh coach mahoney is a huge steelers fan so he is feeling good about the steelers versus titans he's a true yinzer well you you got to understand i'm 51 and i've always said this to people is that you know growing up all I could remember is the four Super Bowls as a kid with the, whether it be the neighborhoods, the schools, it was just a complete black and gold, just celebration through yeah. like time. You know what I mean? Going through that time in my life and just, uh, you know, finally I was glad that, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was fired up for the game. And of course it was uh, postponed because of the situation with the Titans. So mm-hmm. I usually don't get the games. I have to listen to it on my uh, on my radio. I don't get, you know, because I cover the Titans here so much. But, uh, yeah, so uh, black and gold uh, runs through me deep. And, now, uh, I do have I, uh, I did have I do have questions about the Alabama-Tennessee game. Obviously, we'll get into that. But I, sure. I just thought of this. I do want to ask, what do you think it would have been like if, if you were in that coaching position to try and lead your team through a pandemic like this where, you know, you're not getting the spring practice, you're not getting yeah. – as many guys in training camp, uh, you know, I remember <laughs> having times where guys are hurt. We always used to say uh, numbers are low, morale is high. So I guess that would be the same sense, huh? Yeah, you know, I, I think you, you know, you um, 
that's a great point. I think you really, as a coach, um, particularly position-wise, you know, it's upsetting to hear that the O-lines across the country and NFL are getting uh, attacked because they're not good. They're, you know, they don't play well. They're, they're not as good anymore. Well, you know, that's an art, as you know, uh, that we'll get into, but that time missed is valuable. So I think maybe if anything, it forces you to um, probably simplify a little bit more. And as the mm-hmm. season goes, maybe continue to add to what you may do in your run game or what have you, but that's valuable time. And it's time that we're in pads. It's not something you're just doing in shorts and a t-shirt, as you know. So um, it's a lot of hard work those guys have to do to make up uh, for lost time. So yeah, I think that's, time. I would agree. I think that's a big difference, especially what you said with the, uh, time and pads I mean there's only so much you can learn in a walkthrough you actually got to go out there and feel it you know this buddy there's a lot of guys that look good in shorts and t-shirts <laughs> oh yeah and then, oh yeah when the hammer hit the nail a lot of things look different so uh uh yeah but looks uh, like Tarzan plays like Jane yeah absolutely it was always those first couple of practices well how so-and-so look today they all look good wait till we put the pads on then we're gonna find out so, yeah okay so uh we'll get into some questions uh first off how did you feel overall with the offensive line play versus Bama? Um, you know, some good, some bads, maybe even a letter grade you would give them. You know, yeah. what, what kind of stuff did you see? I've watched a little bit of the Georgia um, leading up to this. This is what I'm getting at to this. I watched a little mm-hmm. bit of the Georgia, um, the Kentucky. I didn't because I was traveling uh, to our boys game last week. But I think there was improvement made. Um, I think that the protection was solid. Uh, I thought the run game uh, – it was um, not as consistent as it needed to be um, at different times. They, um, you know, they had some good solid runs, not many TFLs. Yeah. Um, the protection piece certainly allowed Giertano to um, play the way he did, which I think he obviously looked a lot more poisoned better, which as you know, starts with the group up front making them feel comfortable. So I thought that was key. The thing that I really thought that was surprising to me was that I just, I didn't see as much finish, um, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's hard to watch on the TV because you like, like we do rewinding and so forth. But mm-hmm. um, the guy that jumped out to me was 76 that came in when there was an injury that happened. Yep. I thought there was a lot of dog in him, the way he played as far as nasty finishing almost to the point where it was on the verge of a penalty that I thought was really, cause they've got the girth. They've got the, um, you know, the talent that's there. I just was surprised to see that, um, you know, at least from a technical standpoint of maybe at times where their pad level could be lower um, and, and just the ability to finish off. I thought Cade looked really good when he was over at left tackle for that short period of time yeah. with the adjustments that they made that, you know, and we knew that as athletic as he was when we were recruiting him and so forth, but I don't like to give letter grades. I, I you know, I mean, I, I think for the, from the standpoint of the expectations, it's an average. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, I mean, that, that, that's, that's really what it was. And it's really hard whenever the game got to the way it did uh, from a score standpoint, because they were, again, running the ball at different times well enough that it wasn't TFLs, it wasn't lost yards, it wasn't putting uh, the passing game in, in, in a huge bind. So I think they were giving themselves a chance. They just got behind in a fast uh, manner due to the, how explosive Alabama is. But I saw improvement made. I just think that there could be some more finish from them. Uh, overall yeah that was one thing that I talked about last week um, and I know you didn't see the Kentucky game but it was glaring when we had a pick six just from the TV copy you can only see a few people but there wasn't anybody trying to run into screen there wasn't anybody trying to really go for that tackle trying to make that play and 
like you've said before, an ultimate test, what I feel is are, are, if you're going to give effort is if there's a turn, if there's a turnover, there's a fumble, if there's an interception, if I don't see you, you know, giving that effort, going balls to the wall, trying to get to the guy that shows me who you are. And you always yeah. said, you know, you could tell the effort guys on defense by their field goal block. So it's times yeah. when you don't really want to, it, when you're showing so it's like character it's like what you talk about character yeah. it's like what do you do when no one's looking so i agree with the effort thing completely well the, the biggest thing too like you say is that like uh, uh something that will just never leave me is dylan wiseman running down the field and running in front of an a&m player to protect dobbs who scrambled for a big run and literally knocked himself out uh those are the things that you just constantly harp on that you know and again there's times where the back's on the ground i'm not seeing anyone pick them up yeah yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, so I think whenever, the, you know, as talented as a group, I just think that there was times, whether it be starting the second half or in general, that it just didn't seem like there was a fire as far as, you know what, throw everybody, throw everyone on our back. We're going to take this thing where we want it to go, because that is by all I've heard and have read or what have you is the strength. Yeah, because your talent will take you so far, but it's those little things that yeah. you change throughout your game just – a little bit of effort and stuff that'll really, you know, take it to the next level, make you competitive with the Bamas of the league. Yeah. Um, so I know you said effort. Was there any kind of technique that you saw? Because when I've been watching the games, um, you know, Wanya's 64 has been playing a lot. He didn't get to, he was hurt. Um, but Darnell Wright, who's the other tackle. A lot of the times I feel like they're digging their heads in on pass bro, um, kind of falling for the for the inside fake uh things like that and i don't know if people are using enough length on their games yeah when there's games happening i feel like there's a lot of times where those guards can really get a good push to pass off and you know i try and explain this as easily as i can for people who don't necessarily understand but i didn't know if you saw anything yeah. uh glaring or anything like that yeah um i i thought you know again just from the tv copies the only thing that i thought that was a big point of emphasis that we always tried to make and look for was keeping the hips down and keeping the feet, even though you know that there's that junction point where, hey, let's face it, I mean, there's some massive men in the league in this conference that we see week in and week out that there's going to be a point where there's a stalemate, but just working that leverage piece and the legs in that part, um, you know, I didn't get a chance to see enough. I know, like I said, um, there was a lot of gap protection. So mm -hmm. I didn't see too much of one-on-one -on -one stuff to really critique it at that length. But I just thought when they had any uh, replays and they took it back and showed the play, that again, I thought that the, just the overall emphasis of pad level being lower. And it yeah. goes back to our original point we talked about with the COVID is that, you know, just looking at things on film, hey, what do we need to improve upon? Well, we need to get our pads, we need to get our pads lower. Because again, we're, we've got a massive line yeah exactly so for those who don't understand gap protection you're sliding one way so you really only have one side of yourself to protect it's a lot easier for the offensive line against blitzes or against any kind of rush um and protects the quarterback a little bit more also saw seven man protections instead of five man yeah. protections um you yeah. know the, t the first touchdown we had was seven man with the tight end and running back so that's good to see just to protect against that and I think that played into, into, into the overall approach being they wanted to be up-tempo, maybe mm -hmm. take a little bit from Ole Miss. So yeah. 
just as you and I are talking about for the people listening is that, you know, there's not an identification that's having to be made as I'm blocking the D tackle. You know, it eliminates a lot of that communication piece and it's being aggressive in the protection. So I thought that was good. And then again, too, it plays the strength of JG where he knows maybe it's just a one man route or, you know, yeah. go make a play type of thing. So um, I was really happy for him for as much as he's uh, going a lot. And I, you know, I can't say it enough. Um, that that young man wants to win anyone. I mean, it's, it's important to him that I think he maybe presses a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm to see him have some success yesterday as a full backwards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is good to see. I know a lot of people are on the fence with Garantano, just, you know, with his decision-making that he's had over, you know, a few games. Um, I mean, they showed a graphic uh, last week versus Kentucky where, you know, it had his QBR at the top and then the bottom and then the top yeah. and then the bottom. And I mean, it was every game he's, yeah. he's zigzagging, but um, yeah. you know, I, I also said, I didn't think some of the plays or, or even the schematics or, or the, you know, formations or anything that were in were necessarily good for him. I thought they might yeah. be good for a, you know, a top tier quarterback, a, a, a Tom Brady or a, Aaron Rodgers out there, but you know, you got to know who you got in the backfield to really build around. So yeah. um, they're going into a bye week now. Uh, and I kind of said this before the Alabama game is almost a glorified bye week where it's like, Hey, we can see where we're at kind of test things out in that Alabama game, like a most legit scrimmage that you could have. That's almost right. how I saw it. And uh, it, when you're going into the bye week, after, you know, seeing a few of these games or just in general, whenever you did go into bye week coaching, what was the thing that you wanted to concentrate on the most with your group? Definitely develop, well, identifying what, just like we're talking about, what are things that you're going so fast week by week into the season and the intensity and all the things that come with it is, is a week to catch your breath somewhat from this standpoint of, okay, what do we really need to focus on? Like I mentioned, maybe it's pad level. You know what? We've been going for how many weeks straight? You know, our pad level is high. So that's something, you know, you make a note of and say, hey, I'm going to be really critical uh, to improve that uh, in our week's work of practice. Um, Are we deep enough at the spots of if something happens in the case of an injury? So let's say, for example, a center that may play uh, right guard, a guard that may move in at center. Uh, Yesterday, we saw Cade go from right guard to left tackle. So, um, you know, are they getting the right work at the spots of, the contingency plans if something happens. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, Kyler, I just loved open dates because it allowed you mentally, player and coach, to refresh a little bit. But it was such a technical week for us that I just, I mean, I could have stayed an individual for four days straight. And just, <laughs> you know, I mean, really just, you know, just to work on those things, you know, from run, uh, you know, run game, pass protection, uh, screen game, whatever it may be. So, um, and, and just really developing the heck out of those young guys as well. Yeah, and they've actually had a quite a few different lineups when they've been playing their game, not even necessarily because of injury and they're moving people around, just because they wanted to see who they needed in those spots. Now, I understand, you know, pandemic, some guys are out for a while during training camp, so it's, it's you know, not always easy to see, you know, who is my starting right guard or who is my starting right tackle. Um, but, you know, after a few games, you kind of – figure it out you know who's who's the best guy for us in that position if you had guys who are equally as talented 
in a position, would you want to rotate them throughout a game or maybe even rotate offensive linemen at all? Uh, you know, yes. Um, I, you know, I, I, my son's team uh, in middle last year, they did it quite a bit. And I, the reason being is I watch it. I've never been really open to that till after seeing that, that they had some guys that were really equal in talent. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought that was really something that uh, was interesting because it kept guys fresh. And also, as you know, the tendency of opponents that watch you and they read every single stance of every single play. That's why every staff has, you know, 35 uh, uh, quality control coaches now that watch everything. So, <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so you're watching. So I'm thinking, okay, well, that's a little bit more work for them. If you have things all, all being equal, but um, as you know, I love guys that have flexibility to play other spots. I mean, you got to be able to do it. We did it against Virginia tech and won the ball game at Bristol uh, because of circumstances needing to, but um, you, on the other hand, um, so the listeners can hear what was awesome that you said, you know, <laughs> no, no, just what you said, you know where I'm going, right? Yeah. You said, um, cause Kyler was a guy that could play multiple positions. He could play them all, but he said, I want to just work on mastering left tackle, which, uh, for those of you who meet him, he's not the, uh, the, you know, the six, six, uh, he may list himself at that, but, uh, you know, he played the position because he said, I want to master the stance, the technique so forth and so on and guess what he did that and uh and and, and played well at it so um but you you like to get guys to move around um yeah and, and to answer your question I, I would i would love that opportunity that's a good situation that's a good situation to have if you have <laughs> yeah that you have you have seven really good players instead yeah. of five yeah that's yeah that is good um so as we've uh watched the season i think a lot of teams are moving into a bear defense in the SEC, especially. And, and before it wasn't like that. Um, so they're moving into a bear more often. Uh, Tennessee is seeing it more often because of our offensive line, because we're known for running the ball. When I was at UT my last year, we always said inside zone was going to be our play inside zone, inside zone, inside zone. It developed into counter counter yeah. started to be our play. And I think that's because of the defenses that we were going against because of that bear defense. So in my eyes, what I would like to see is more counters and powers, which is gap scheme, run blocking for all those who don't know and play actions off of that, because that was our bread and butter 2015 with Dobbs. I mean, he yeah. would run the counter himself, maybe pop it over the middle to either Ethan or, or Alex Ellis. Um, yeah. And I would just like to see more of that. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, and that was the thing watching yesterday was I believe at one time, maybe a couple of times they did run some form of a kind of counter play. Mm-hmm. But I think with that size we're talking about up front, what better lends itself to the double teams, the mashing of the downs and just that, you know, that other run that, you know, we just worked at being good at was inside zone, outside zone counter within that counter, we had the gap scheme. So it wasn't like we had a huge, huge menu, but yep. we just did so many different ways with different people. Um, and it didn't necessarily always have to be Dobbs, um, but that was an added bonus, obviously, in a good way for so many reasons. But I love the counter as you do. And I love the gap schemes in general. I mean, you just, you know, you can do so much with, like you said, feeding off of the play action, because that's what it needs to be. The heavy run emphasis for, uh, uh, for Tennessee with the play action it should yeah. be that should they should just you know play off of each other and um you know it's it just uh, I agree 
Yeah, because that first touchdown they had, that 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 long pass was a play action. I mean, they, yeah. everyone yeah. bid on it. They had man coverage outside, and wide receiver won the won the one on one matchup. So sure, I I agree. Play action and and running the ball. That's that's always that's that should be every team's bread and butter, in my opinion. Well, and and like you know, and 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 I just it's like it was yesterday is that we just worked together as a unit that we knew the runs where they were supposed to be. And we just kept working at it, working at it, working at it, and got to the point where we put up some pretty, pretty impressive numbers. Yeah. So as we talk back about a little bit of like 2015 and a little in between there, what would you say looking back is, you know, maybe one of your fondest memories of being the O-line coach at Tennessee those, over those four years? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's really uh, quite a few. Um, there's, there's first off, uh, it's, it's you guys, uh, you, Dylan, you know, Jay, Sean, uh, Coleman, uh, guys that I, you know, Jacob Gillum, guys that I appreciate what we went through and seeing what you're doing now and being successful. That's memorable to me. I mean, you guys are family to my wife and I, that's, yeah. that's memorable. now from a, from a, uh, achievement, what, what have you was, uh, having the most rushing yards in a season since 1993. There's a lot of players that have come through UT since 93. And what was that year, 2016, that we had the most rushing yards, yeah. right? 15, right? So, I mean, for us to accomplish that in the SEC and have two seasons of averaging over 200 yards rushing, three bowl games in which we just absolutely smashed the Big Ten. I mean, we didn't, we didn't win them. We, we smashed them, right? Yeah. yeah. I, we did Iowa and then um, – Northwestern. Northwestern and then Nebraska, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, those are the things that uh, I, will stay with me uh, for what we were able to accomplish um, and uh, just a group of people like you guys. I mean, that's, you know, um, I, that, that, that will stay with me. I agree. I agree. I think, you know, the biggest thing when you go through a program, when you go through college or even as from a coach's point of view, it's the relationships you make with people. It's, you know, the connection that you have. Um, and then I, you know, the achievement of that 2015 season to, you know, finish off my career at a pretty high note was, was awesome for me. And like you said, those three bowl games, it, I will never have respect for the big 10 <laughs> after I like mean, the few chances I had to play them. It's like, guys, there's no way, like your middle of the pack is so much worse than, than SEC's well, middle of the pack. And the, in the, in the first one in the, the Iowa, we just got into that bowl. They had a really good year. Yeah. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Western, no. yeah. Northwestern, they were getting North on the bus to go to one of the functions and they were exhausted. And I looked, I looked, I looked at Chris Benoit. I said, we're going to smash them. They, they, they were ranked, exhausted. Uh, They're ranked number 13 going into that game. And I, you know what? I respect those programs, but uh, what we were able to do and accomplish it wasn't, it wasn't even close. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So having a coach on here gives me the, uh, opportunity to have people understand what the life of a coach is like with Tennessee not doing so well right now there's a lot of people you know yelling about the coach's head getting him out of there let's get rid of these guys so if you could give us kind of a perspective of a coach's life just in general yeah um, you know hours spent and then you know what it's like when you're winning what it's like when you're losing those highs and lows of it I mean, you obviously just, again, being a short version as possible, you know, you're around the clock from, you know, Sunday to Friday. And, um, you know, 
obviously Saturday being a game day, the new week starts on Sunday and it's the next challenge and so forth. Um, throughout the week, I always looked at it as, you know, Sunday through Friday was personally my time to get you guys ready. Saturday was yours. And that's mm -hmm. you know, uh, how that went. But uh, the four hours on Saturday are probably the most gut wrenching four hours uh, <laughs> that really and truly that you go through. I mean, you know, some people say, what was it like in front of 102, four, you know, 59, what have you in Neyland? What a great place. And they said it was the most awesome place in the world. And at the same time, if a sack was allowed by us or something bad, it was the worst feeling in the world because I just did not want to let you all down and the fans and so forth. So that part is just gut wrenching. Um, when you win, it's enjoyable uh, for a brief while because you're on to the next opponent. Mm -hmm. um, it's really and truly a relief as much as it is enjoyment. And a loss is, um, you know, the four hours of the, of the day of that loss affects the rest of your day. If it's a night game, it affects your evening. It's just, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult. Um, so the whole family goes through it, which makes it hard as well. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a life that people choose. And it's, um, you know, so, uh, and obviously guys are getting paid really well, like the guys there now. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, not, that's, that's a decision they make. You know, and even if uh, I think if you broke it down into hourly wages, I don't even know if it'd be worth it. I mean, no, how, what time do you think you got there and left every day? Uh, during the season, it was uh, probably six in the morning, getting home 10 at night. Thursday night was family night. So um, not to mention the recruiting calls in the evening yeah. um, and not to mention recruiting in general, because it never stops. I mean, you know, if you, if you, you know, I've been, I've been places where my phone was out of service for wherever I was at and I was freaking out till I got back in service because that's one less opportunity to reach or touch a recruit, a parent, a grandparent, whomever, a coach, whatever. So um, it's just, it's around the clock. If it's not coaching ball and teaching um, whatever it is, new scheme, technique, what have you, it's recruiting. So it's just nonstop. You just go to bed at night and you say that I, reach out to everyone I could reach out to today. Did I let somebody get a jump on us in recruiting because I did not reach out to this person? So it's just never ending. Yeah. So speaking of recruiting, would you say that's probably one of the toughest parts of your job? Because I, I can't imagine a, you know, 40 to 50 year old trying to connect with a 16, 17 year old kid and, and being able to be cool around them. Yeah, you know, I mean, my 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 whole philosophy with that was, um, you know what, you're gonna take me for who I am. I always felt like this too. Yeah, I'm gonna recruit my tail off to get a, a young man to come to our place that we really truly want. But in the end, he's got to be wanting the right things. He's got to want to win. He's got to want to be a part of the culture, so forth and so on. If he doesn't like me, then I, I'm not gonna put up. With, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna put up a front that he gets there as a student athlete enrolled and he looks and goes, man, what happened to that guy who's recruiting me? He's like completely different. I, I am who I am, like it or not. That just was my philosophy. Now, the other thing that you mentioned about is that I think is getting really uh, out of hand with the recruiting is that I think because people are so aware with all the recruiting and sites and um, social media and all that, that I think people are taking recruits that are not really to a standard of what places may want. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, everybody knows your business. Everybody knows who you're recruiting. Um, you know, I'd go into a school and they say, hey, you guys are recruiting so-and-so. I'm like, how'd you know that? Well, I was on the website. Well, 
You don't need to know my business. You don't need to know our business. I'm recruiting who I think is going to help us win and who's going to be the right fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think some people are taking people because it's going to sound good on signing day when it's not really the blueprint and the fabric of who you are and what you stand for. Like I'll say this because I know you're probably going to cut me off, but like Michigan State up until um, and I really I, I don't know guys on that staff. I just respected Coach D'Antonio that they never really had those days on signing day where you go, they had a number four class. They had a number 10 class. No, they had a philosophy of this is who we're recruiting. Yeah. That's what they did. And they developed them. They developed uh, the mentality of what they expected. And every year they were pretty much in the hunt in the big 10 for making noise, you know, so they just, they stuck by what they believed in. They were about signing a five-star, um, you know, all the glitz and glamour. Yeah, I completely agree. I think a lot of times uh, the hype train kind of overtakes. And, you know, you look at these big time, you know, athletes, I guess. Uh, and, you know, when people would tell me, hey, we signed a five star after I got done playing, I was like, who cares? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, yeah. that doesn't matter. You could yeah. be all world first, you know, number one recruit in the nation. But until you get out there and put some pads on with older collegiate guys and really get, you know, hand yeah. in the dirt, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who you are. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that was, I think that was something I, I always tried to express to people, you know, after I played, you know, it's, it's more about the inside, the, the brain, the heart with, with a player than it is necessarily the intangibles of how long are his arms, how big are his hands, you know, what can he run the 40 in? Uh, yeah. And I think that was a little bit of a miscommunication whenever coach Jones was towards the end. Cause I always defend coach is, you know, he said, I, I, I don't want, I want five-star hearts. And everyone took that as like, what a corny dude. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that is really corny the way he said that. But I understood what he was saying. He, you know, I want a Dylan Wiseman, who's yeah. a three-star who will concuss himself just to get an extra few yards on the field because yeah. he cares so much about what it is than a five-star who's lazy, doesn't really, you know, want to try during the thing. Like, I would want those, those three-stars who are hungry over everybody else and, and you're spot on I mean it's at the end of the day if I would hang up with a call or I would get done with a guy that I was recruiting or out of school and I said uh-oh and they said what I said he likes recruiting more than he likes football <laughs> I mean yeah. really that's I yeah. mean in the end there's guys that you recruit that they like they like the recruiting more than they love football like you said give me the guys that love football and that's something I look back on I say you know what, what could I've done different what can I be better at and there's a number of things and you do a bunch of soul searching and say, hey, what can I overall? And I say, you know what, recruiting, don't get away from your core beliefs and blueprints of what you want. Yep. Don't let it happen. Eric Fisher, number one, number one overall pick in the NFL draft. I'm in New York recruiting here while I was here at UT. And uh, I step into the lobby bar of the hotel because I just checked in and he gets picked and somebody's sitting there and they go, where the hell is that school? I'm like, yeah, we were one of two schools that recruited him, Austin, yeah. yeah. Michigan, and he's mm -hmm. the number one overall pick. Well, some people, well, don't, don't, don't recruit him because he only has one other offer. Hey, step out of your comfort box or comfort level, and 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 you know, I say we took a chance. Well, the guy was whatever size, huge, athletic, and it ended up being a grand slam. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Oh. What do you know during recruiting? Obviously, like I said, you got to connect with these young kids and you know try and be a part of them. Is there something that you look back on where you're just like, God, I feel like a dope right now, trying to you know send this kid a funny video or send him this meme or something like that, where it's yeah. like I I am such a 
an idiot trying to get this guy to like me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say probably Jack Jones was busting my chops a lot because <laughs> I was I was I was in the as you know, uh, I was at a point where I realized I weighed about two hundred and sixty five pounds and I could afford to lose a few, so I went on yeah. this diet kick and exercise, and so I was wearing my Fitbit a bunch. So I would always tell the recruits, "Hey, man, this Fitbit's really the." I mean, this is this is the top thing, man. It tells you how many steps and look how much weight I've lost. I'm, you know, and they all looked at me and they were laughing like, "You old man." Size. Like again, I was just who I was, but maybe that was something that stayed with them that they they kind of liked and laughed about that. But yeah, that was probably it. I mean, I you know, oh yeah, again, I try to stay within who I am because I was just raised the right way that I can't be something that I'm not. I can't be a pony, and uh, I think people read that. But anyway, yeah. I agree. I agree. I think, uh, I think one of the biggest things I, I do remember is, uh, you know, you bragging, I got my 25,000 steps. I got to 30,000 today and you, us going out to warm ups and we're stretching and you're walking back and forth to the 30 line, 30 yard line, to the goal line, just trying to get steps in, but Hey, trying it worked. To, try, try, trying to stretch. Yeah, it worked. It's staying there. I still need a new one, but, um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I tried to move individual around as much as possible to get as many steps in. Now, you have actually coached a few guys people don't know about, um, one being uh, Jason Kelsey, who yeah. you told us a few stories um, about him and about how crazy he is. Is there a funny story you can think of, like one of the funniest stories from your coach career, either, you know, you having to deal with recruits, a uh, player you coached, uh, a thing on the bus? Yeah, whatever. no, it, it, yeah, he, uh, first off, he's probably one of the most, uh, his, his football IQ is through the roof. I mean, when every meeting I went into and there's a different guys in the meeting room, it's their levels are different there. You know, some guys are just really, you know, you know, addition, some guys multiplication, he was like advanced trig or something. I mean, he, <laughs> I mean, he read safeties, he knew coverages. Well, anyway, we're in the summertime going into the, his senior season. And um, he was a guy that was really an athletic guy as you see on Sundays now all that well he came in my office and he goes out of the blue hey coach I think I'm going to move the linebacker and I said <laughs> move the linebacker I said well you can go down the hall to coach Jones's office I said you know and he was Jason was something else now he had quite a personality to him and, and I said well you can go ahead and go down the hall and uh, see coach Jones and I think I'll be fine go ahead he was going to move the linebacker and he, 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 he could have and he would have yeah. out there too I mean the New England Patriots came and worked him out at fullback when yeah, he no, he, I mean, he was at the combine. He ran like a four-one shuttle, like yeah. it, you know, the fastest just, lineman shuttle there's ever been. It, it, it's 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 amazing. If he walked into the room, you'd be shocked at his overall stature. Yeah, it's not, I mean, you know, it, it's not anything that's overly imposing, but he just has such great explosion out of his hips and his ability to run and his smarts and his leverage. You know, a lot like you at the tackle spot. Seriously, from a standpoint of. You, when players are struggling and they're not good, it's because mm. they don't understand their weaknesses or yeah. maybe what their shortcomings are. He, you know what I mean? Like you, yourself, you're like, I'm, I'm going to be good at this and this is why. And yep. you knew it. Like you didn't have the long arms. Getting back to the recruiting piece. Well, Kyler can't play out there. He doesn't have the long enough reach. He's this, that, and the other. So, no, no, no. Let me have that heart that Kerbison has to say and mind to say, you know what? I'm going to figure this thing out and I'm going to get it done. Really? Yeah. See, this, is, this, is why, this is why I brought you on to make me feel a little bit better. <laughs> well, I'm just being real. I mean, there's, like I said, there's guys I reflect back on and who's, you know, who's my favorite player I ever coached. Well, I sit out, I love doing uh, fire pit and, you know, I sit there and 
think about guys in the past I've coached and I just, there isn't really a favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's not fair in my mind. I just call them guys that I would literally say, Hey, I want you with me. And you're one of those guys. Why? Cause it's just all those things that I, like, I know at the end of the day, I trust Kyler Kermson. I trust Dylan Wiseman. I trust Tori Tolley. That goes back to two lane days. There's guys that I just put and I go, if I had to put together my dream team, I, yeah. I have, I have a group that I'll go to war with anybody with. Yeah. And most of those guys are three stars. Yeah. 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 And, and <laughs> I, I guarantee you there's a lot more five-star stories that didn't go well. Yeah. Than they are that went well. Yes, I agree. Well, um, we can make this a long show. We're going to go a week on this thing? No, I know. No kidding. Yeah, you're going to pull the hook on me. Go ahead. No, so I wanted to finish. You know, uh, the other offensive linemen in the room, they'll, they'll remember this, but uh was wondering if I could get uh, Chris's brownie recipe. When we used to win games, Coach Mo would have his wife make brownies for us, and we'd get it on third. And I'm telling you, it was the highlight of the week to get those brownies. That was all – that was – what winning was it was made winning worth it i'm telling you it, it, the, the, like like you said like what do i really enjoy and what are most memorable is that you know you finish the hard sunday monday tuesday wednesday and then thursday's your polished practice in which i'm my mind's getting more at ease as the week is ending we're gearing our uh, engines up for the upcoming weekend our confidence levels getting higher because of the execution is getting sharp in practice we still have another day but when we go up into that meeting room and the brownies are broke out because we just beat, uh, you know, so-and-so like we did and ran for so many yards. And I, you know, and just to see you guys just get together and grab some milk and eat those brownies. And I mean, it is, it's like, it's like, that's, that's the beauty of the position. That's the beauty of who we are and what we do and what we did. And uh, I miss that. So. Definitely. Definitely the most connected position in my eyes oh. is offensive line. I don't think anybody else is, on the same wavelength as, as offensive line is. No, it's, 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 again, it's, um, it's, it's, it's an art that uh, people don't realize just how difficult it is, what goes into it, uh, the highs and lows and um, the staying together and just the, um, the, you know, the family bonding of that. I mean, I just, I appreciate you guys. No, well, I appreciate you, Coach. Uh, I appreciate you coming on for me during this bye week. I needed a little bit extra to talk about, so thank you so much. Bring me much back on, coming. man. Bring me I back will. on. We can, wait, I, wait, I still got one more thing for you, bud. I got – I got uh, – uh, Hold up the terrible look, look, towel for everybody that's listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, again, I, I tell you what, I, I, I do love the Titans brand, though. I mean, it, running that ball and the play action, getting back to what we talked about with UT a little bit, but – they're fun, man. They're fun to watch. I knew it was going to be that. It's probably going to be us again. It's just a dang bloodbath. And uh, Oh, yeah. I see a playoff was, game in the future for both of us. I just wish we could have been there, you know. I'm proud of Cam Sutton. Uh, I know. Still, I was, like, rooting we, against him, but then rooting know, for him at the same we, time, it was tough. We stay in touch. Um, you know, our youngest son dressed up like him for um, – Dominic dressed up for, like him for uh, Halloween. Uh, got, the, <laughs> got the uniform from Hawk a couple years ago, and uh, – that's what he wore, and uh, Cam's been constantly in touch. With him. I'll text him right now when we get done to congratulate him. But, uh, yeah, buddy, sure. I appreciate you, man. You know that. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm so happy for you and all that you're doing. And uh, anything you need, you just holler. And like I've, I've said in the past, when guys say, "Hey, can I use you as a reference?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "Tell that person to call me," and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna write, write a letter of recommendation. I'm gonna tell them they need to hire you. Yeah. <laughs> and here's why, really. It's like I did with Wiseman and any guys that, like I said, they're my guys. That's what I'll do. So, anyway. I appreciate you, Coach. Thank you for coming on. And uh, 
let's uh, hope the Vols can turn this around after the bye week, huh? They will. They will. I, I, I you know, again, it's uh, the ups and downs that go with it. And uh, I think that uh, there's some high character guys in that group up front, starting with Trey and Cade, getting to know them like we did recruiting them. So uh, I sure hope so. Appreciate bye, it. Thanks, man. Yep. Well, we'll talk to you later. All right, bud. All right. See you. See ya. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in today. As always, please rate and subscribe to my channel. You can find it wherever podcasts are, Apple Pod, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, anywhere you listen to yours. Also, let me know in the comments section some things you'd like to talk about. Um, I'm looking to create a voicemail line so I can hear some of your guys' questions and be able to answer them on the show. Uh, please let me know what other guests you'd love to hear from. Also, follow me on social media at Kyler Kerbison on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, as always, go Vols! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.